Folks, we are one step closer to beer sales in Spartan Stadium in Breslin Center. Peyton Thorne kind of sort of sounds off about his whole transfer portal situation. What if Big Ten divisions never existed? How would that impact previous Michigan State teams? And hey, we go into the mailbag. How are we going to help Mel Tucker? What advice would we give him? Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you so much for kicking off your day with us here at Locked on Spartans. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college, and when you enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, hey, they're going to throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Absolutely love that thing. It is the shorts of the summer with Bird Dogs, and well, that is the drink container of the summer. Hey, also, if you ever want to reach out, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com, just like my man Luke did. He writes, hi, Matt. Uh, if I could talk, hi, Matt. I've been a viewer for a long time now, and you have been my favorite podcast. Well, thank you so much. He writes, it would mean the world to me if you could shout me out. Well, Luke, that email meant the world to me. Thank you so much for listening, tuning in, whatever it is. So shout out to Luke and shout out to all of you beautiful people. Again, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Let's get into the mix here. And boy, howdy, I hope you are all thirsty. I hope you are ready for potentially rip-roaring fun at Spartan Stadium. And not just on the football field. No, 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 no. Big news coming out of Lansing, our great state's capital. Kalamazoo Senator Sean McCann put it best, quote, if things go well, maybe fans will have beer in their hands in the fall. That's right, everyone. The legislation or law or whatever term it is, I don't know, I never really paid attention to that type uh, of lessons in class. Whatever. There's going to be a bill presented to the Senate, to the governor, to the House, because after a 10-0 vote to pass it to the Senate... For alcohol sales to be legal in Michigan, uh, Michigan State, all sorts of different universities in the state for 100 days of sporting events per calendar year. Now, again, it has to get approved by the full house, and then it has to get uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer's, friend of the podcast, may I add, her signature as well, and a two-thirds support from the Senate. But yes, as Kalamazoo Senator Sean McCann, the, the man who sponsored this bill, said, if everything goes according to plan, if everything is on the right timeline here, we could have beer sales in Spartan Stadium. It's just Nebraska, Michigan, and Michigan State in the Big Ten are the only three schools that are not doing beer sales at their stadiums right now. Now, if you are one of those wealthy, swanky people that have been in the Huntington Club, you may have bought a can of beer or a nice glass of wine at a Michigan State game. Well, that's the technicality. That addition on Spartan Stadium is about two inches away from the stadium, so it's not technically part of the stadium. That's why they're able to sell beer to the rich donors up there. That's the technicality. But, hey, should all this pass, Michigan and Michigan State and all sorts of other schools. I mean, Central has already been in the mix. Don't ask me how that's been possible. But, yes, Michigan State one step closer to getting beer sales in Spartan Stadium. Um, Just some numbers here and what it could mean for uh, just Michigan State as a whole, as an athletic department. Back in 2017, they were one of the early adopters of beer sales in their stadium. $1.3 million in beer sales. And then, well, how about a more recent year? 2022, 
Iowa started green lighting beer sales for their stadium as well. They made $3.2 million in beer sales across all athletic events for the whole year, but nearly $2.5 million of that was from football season alone. Penn State, they just greenlit it halfway through last season. Uh, and it could be very similar. I mean, just to give you an idea of what the prices and the protocol could be, I wouldn't think that MSU would be too far away from this. Penn State last year, $10 for domestic beer, $12 for specialty beer. Uh, you get ID'd at the gate, and then you get a wristband. And also, all the point of sales will be far away from student sections. Look, I don't know how much of an impact that's going to have. I remember when I was a student at Michigan State, I, I, you would walk 15 miles for a 12-pack of beer. I'm sure a walk around the stadium isn't going to hurt anything. But, hey, let's go back to the money talk. Let's say that 20,000 fans at Spartan Stadium, they get two beers at $10 each. The cheap stuff, the domestic stuff. Okay, that's that's still $400,000 in gross sales for Spartan Stadium. And those are conservative numbers. I mean, that is less than a third of Spartan Stadium's full capacity. So, hey, it, it could be a financial boon for the athletic department because Lord knows, I mean, hey, universities, they always need more cash. But, yeah, and of course, you also, you know, hear the arguments on both sides. One, like, okay, well, this might lead to more dangerous behavior in the stadium or uh, an uptick in, in drunk driving. And, but that's what you get with all professional stadiums as well. That's just the risk you have to run and kind of police each other that way. But also, it's interesting with Ohio State and Iowa, they also reported that there were less um, like criminal complaints and uh, ejections of fans, citations, when they greenlit alcohol sales. And the theory behind that is like, well, people aren't, you know, finishing every can of beer they have at their tailgate before going into the stadium. They get to like taper off throughout the game. So again, it's more of a wait and see thing. But yeah, this wouldn't be too groundbreaking in the grand scheme of things. You see this all the time at professional sports events. But yeah, that is the news of the day right there. Beer sales to kick off your Locked on Spartans episode here. Uh, also, you know, just because we can't stop talking about these guys, and I'm sorry if you're sick of hearing about Peyton Thorne and Keon Coleman, but they, they have perfectly spread out, like, when to be newsworthy and when not to be. Keon Coleman last week talked about Michigan State. That that just went awesome. Uh, compared it to a two-year sentence, which, okay, that's great. Michigan State being compared to a prison. That's glowingly. Uh, Peyton Thorne wasn't all too bad. He was on a podcast called On to Victory the other day, and this video was tweeted out from Michigan State Twitter user, the Chris Davis. And I'm going to pick out some quotes here from this minute-long clip. In the grand scheme of things, there was a whole lot of nothing, but we're going to try to find something in here. He kicked off his quote about entering the transfer portal with, if you would have asked me five days before I entered the portal that I was transferring, I would have said, what are you talking about? It was a series of events that happened and brought me to enter the portal, and it all happened really quick. So, yeah, this was a late decision made. Now, what were those events? That happened in the days leading up to the transfer portal closing for the spring. Could it have been a nice NIL deal or some chatter from the Auburn folk. That's, yeah, let's all be grown-ups here. Probably had a great, great deal to do with all this. But also, can't help to wonder if, you know, maybe there was a meeting. It's like, hey, am I for sure going to be the starting quarterback this fall? And the coaching staff bounced back. No, it's still going to be an open competition. You did good in the spring. You're leaving as the number one guy right now, 
but there's still going to be four or five weeks of fall camp leading up to kickoff where Noah Kim or Kate Hauser could jump over you. You're hearing that. And then also down in Auburn, everyone's already talking about how great of a quarterback you are. Um, look, am I going to go to this new exciting SEC school where I'm already a fan favorite and already the surefire starting quarterback? Or am I going to come back to Michigan State where, hmm, in my third year of being a starter, I have to battle for that job? And oh my goodness, seems like more than half the fan base is rooting against me. Again, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast before, these are all points that we have regurgitated, but when I hear Peyton Thorne himself talk about it, it kind of reaffirms everything that we thought as to what happened there. I don't think it was anything overly nefarious. You know, yes, some potential light tampering, if you will, but let's let's all be grown-ups here. That happens across the country in college football. But he also did talk about um, how hard it was to leave. Talked about Mark D'Antonio took a chance on Thorne, if we remember. Peyton Thorne... He was just like a middling three-star prospect. He was committed to Western Michigan, but hey, D'Antonio brought him on here and also compared him to Kirk Cousins, another guy that was a middling three-star prospect with not a lot of Power 5 offers. And Thorne remembers looking at those records and thinking, hey, I want to beat those Kirk Cousins records. That's the guy I'm looking up to because I'm following in those same footsteps. Uh, And he ended it with, Quote, the pros and cons, it wasn't close. That's what brought me to Auburn. So, again, does that sting to hear? Yeah, but he's doing an Auburn podcast. What is he going to say? Like, well, yeah, Michigan State was better, but I guess I settled here. Like, no, of course he's going to talk glowingly about the place that he's going. So, hey, was that the last time we'll ever talk about Keon Coleman or Peyton Thorne on this show? I sure hope so. But, like, when he is directly talking about Michigan State and his transfer, I'm sorry. It, it, it is worth bringing up. Uh, we are going to get more into football here in a hot segment. First, need to talk your ear off about Bird Dog Shorts. Gang, it is S-O-B. I have anointed it S-O-B. That's right. Summer of Bird Dogs. It has been the best summer comfort-wise and fashion-wise, all thanks to Bird Dogs and their versatile shorts. Gang, you've heard me talk about it. For the last few weeks here, got my package to kick off summer, and I got two pairs of shorts, both with the liner on the inside. It is like a wonderful compression short that just hugs your body with just the right amount of comfort. And hey, on the outside too, these bad boys are versatile. Yes, they feel like athletic shorts, but they look like khaki shorts. You can go ahead, play your beach volleyball league in these things, but also go to a nice dinner date right before, all in the same pair of shorts. They're versatile, they're comfortable, and you are going to look great. And also, hey, when you go to birddogs.com slash college and enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free Yeti-style tumbler, that's right. Go ahead and do that. That's birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You will not want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. Let's get back into the fold here uh, with some football talk. But first, really quick before that, some football talk. If you like that little corny transition there. Um, hey, you know what? We're going to talk soccer for about 30 seconds here. Dewan Jones. He has made the USA Gold Cup roster. That is uh, the tournament that they're going to have from late June to mid-July amongst the CONCACAF nations. USA always fares pretty well in this. But Dewan Jones, 2018 Michigan State graduate, captain of that 2018 College Cup semifinal team for Michigan State. Yeah, he has less than you know five appearances with Team USA, but he made the roster for this Gold Cup. So if you want to tune in 
I mean, we all know that our sports are dwindling here. We just lost NBA basketball, about to lose NHL. Go throw on some soccer here these last uh, or these next few weeks of the summer. Dewan Jones, check him out, Team USA. All right, over at the Athletic, Scott Doctorman. Yes, he is the Iowa beat reporter, but he did a Big Ten wide piece very recently for the Athletic, and a fascinating one at that. As you know. In 2024, when USC, when UCLA joins the Big Ten, bye-bye divisions. It is just going to be the top two teams at the end of the year, presumably well, two 9-0 teams, will meet each other in Indianapolis. No more East versus West division. No more Legends versus Leaders. It's just going to be the top two teams. So Scott Dockerman of The Athletic went in and said, well... What if this is always how it was? Just one title game with no divisions. The best two teams at the end of the season get to compete for it all. What would happen? So, we're going to go and uh, just go through the years of some fun Michigan State teams. Somewhere, nothing was impacted whatsoever. MSU still wins the Big Ten title against the same teams. And some heavy what-ifs here. And we're going to start all the way back in 2010. Which is, oh my god, my freshman year of college, but also 13 years ago. I could cry right now. Okay, um, but anyway, uh, let's keep our eye on the ball, Matt. Uh, in 2010, if you guys remember, or if you were just young enough to not even know what was happening, there was a three-way tie between Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Ohio State in the Big Ten. They each had one loss in conference play. Now, it would have been Wisconsin versus Michigan State in the title game. Of course, a rematch for that season. Michigan State beat the Badgers at home prior that season. Now, Scott writes what would have happened. Quote, the Badgers were a machine at season's end, rolling up 83 points on Indiana, then 48 at Michigan, and 70 in the finale against Northwestern. God, that's more than their basketball team was scoring that year. Anyway, Michigan State, even with Kirk Cousins at quarterback, was not the same team in November after losing 37-6 at Iowa. Great times. Uh, the Spartans closed the season with wins against Purdue and Penn State, which combined to go 6-10 in Big Ten play by 10 total points. Wisconsin might have won the rematch by three touchdowns. Okay, that seems a little extreme there. I think they would have won by two touchdowns, not a full 21 points, but... That's what would have happened that year, and it's hard to argue Scott's arguments. Uh, I mean, I remember that game at Kinnick. That's actually one of the three games I can remember where I didn't even watch the second half of the Michigan State game because MSU was getting rolled in that game. And yeah, Wisconsin, by season's end, they, they were a machine going into that game. But still, hey, would have gone to Indy should the title game have existed back then. Of course, there was no divisions back then, no title game. It was just a three-way split for the Big Ten Conference crown, which we'll take that too. That's that's a-okay in our book. Now, what about when there were the divisions and the title games? Of course, 2013 when Michigan State beat Ohio State. Well, would they have played the same opponent? Would they have played anyone different? No, no, I'm just going to cut to the chase here. No change. Uh, that cold pizza still waiting on Urban Meyer's golf cart in that 2013 season. Now, 2015, would there have been any change in the Big Ten title matchup? Negative. Uh, still, Michigan State versus Iowa. Uh, that soggy senior day in Columbus, Ohio, was the decider of everything, so it was all good in the hood. Now, 2014... 2014, if there were no divisions and it was just the top two teams, well, gang, um, 
Yeah. It would have been a three-way tie. Ohio State, Michigan State, and Wisconsin were all 7-1. and one. However, Scott writes, considering the Spartans and Badgers had the same record against common opponents, the Spartans would claim the spot in the title game based on higher college football playoff rankings. In actuality, the Buckeyes rolled the favored Buckeyes 59-0 in the championship game. So first and foremost, if it was Ohio State versus Michigan State in a rematch, would have gone better than things went for Wisconsin. That game, of course, Ohio State was number five in the college football playoff rankings. They were trying to put on as great of a fashion show, as great of an air show as possible for the college football playoff committee, beating beating, rolling Wisconsin, just grinding them to a pulp, 59-0, and well, if you remember what happened the rest of that year, yes, that was good enough to vault them in the top four, they won their semifinal game, they won the national championship game against Oregon, so Michigan State would have gotten that big 10 championship game matchup with Ohio State. Now, earlier that year, Ohio State beats Michigan State in Spartan Stadium, 49-36, like one of the most fun days in East Lansing until like midway through the third quarter when you kind of realize that things aren't going to go Michigan State's way. But that was an electric game. That game everyone knew was going to decide a lot. Both teams incredible. Both teams in the top 15. But man, JT Barrett, 300 yards, three touchdowns in Spartan Stadium. And I remember distinctly, I think it was the end of the first half, he connects with Devin Smith on like a 45-yard touchdown. And I thought two thoughts. One is like, well, this isn't good for the game. All right, they're going to be up a touchdown going into halftime. But number two, thinking of it like from a more macro standpoint, I'm thinking like, damn, uh, this this JT Barrett fella is a freshman. <laughs> we got we got this for at least two more years, and it ended up being three more years. So it's like, okay, great, this guy's really good, and he's also a true freshman. So. Yeah, great, great moments in Spartan Stadium history there. But hey, the rematch. What would have happened? Now, I'm not going to lie and say to you that Michigan State probably wins. But I I think it's not off base to think that Michigan State wins maybe three of those ten matchups on a neutral field. I mean, maybe I'm a Michigan State homer. But truly, like Michigan State's offense was incredible that year. That is still the 2014 team. A lot of the stats back this up. The best offense that we've ever seen in East Lansing, especially in modern history. They scored less than 30 points just twice all season. And I feel like what is forgotten when we talk about the 2014 team is how great their defense was too. They were second in the nation in opponent yards per game and first in the nation at opponent yards per play. I mean, look, Michigan State, two losses that season. Who'd they lose to? Ohio State and Oregon. Okay, who played in the national title game that year? It was Ohio State and Oregon. Okay, like Michigan State was a tremendous team that season. I don't think it's off base to say Michigan State wins three of those ten games on a neutral field against Ohio State. So should on any you know eventful night Michigan State gets that win against those Buckeyes, like yeah, that changes a lot. Michigan State gets vaulted in to the college football playoff most likely, and then well. Who knows what happens there? Do they beat number one Alabama? I, I, based on the track record that I've seen when Michigan State plays Alabama, I'll plead the fifth on that. But yeah, hey, you know what? That was an incredible team. An incredible team. So yeah, I mean, I, I highly doubt Scott is listening to this right now, but thank you for doing all that work, Scott. That was awesome. Again, 
all all great things going on at the Athletic. I know they just had that wave of layoffs, but their coverage still top notch over there at the Athletic. So go check them out. Go subscribe to them. So uh, again, hey, thank you, Scott, for doing all the hard work there. And God, what could have happened? What could have happened? All right, we're going to open up the mailbag here, locked on Spartans at gmail.com. And Ray Ray wrote this question in, God, many moons ago. And I am so sorry uh, it took us this long to get to it. It's just been this busy here in East Lansing. But finally happy to open up your questions, Ray Ray. He wrote three of them. So let's get into number one. In the beyond unlikely scenario that Mel Tucker asked you what to do differently than he has, be it play calling or in performance roles as the chief executive of Spartan football, what would you tell him? First of all, in the unlikely scenario, no. Mel Tucker just called me. We talked for 30 minutes. It was great. He picked my brain. I picked his. It was beautiful. Anyway, this is what I would have told him if that conversation actually did happen. We're going to start off the field. And during June official visit season, it's it's kind of getting a little somewhat barely better. But, my man, um, I would ramp up the social media just a little bit. Just a little bit. We had this conversation with Chief of Propaganda, Odell Bretham Jr. on Twitter, as you guys all know him. That, you know, hey, it's awesome that Mel Tucker has gone into the submarine. It was not a good season. Let's get all the cigar pictures and everything offline. Let's just focus on our team and be quiet on social media. I think there may have been like a little overcorrection to that. Yes, you know, maybe off a of five and seven season, it wouldn't be great to post a picture of yourself smoking a stogie on a pontoon boat or you know, f- posting a picture of all the Jordans that you have. I mean, it's look, it's all fun and games when you're winning, but you're opening yourself up to a lot of abuse online if you're flexing a lot of stuff after a season full of not so great stuff. However, like, there's a new football building being built. I mean, there is a still a season upcoming. I mean, we could do a little more than just, like, the go green on Twitter after, like, men's tennis wins a match. I, I would ramp up the social media just a little bit. I think there's an overcorrection on being just a little too silent. We still got to market this program after all, and that's something that we were very, very appreciative of early on in Mel Tucker's tenure is that, hey, this, this guy... We don't know if he knows how to coach. We don't know if he knows how to recruit. But even before kickoff happened, this man can market a program. Kind of seen that go away here. Yes, I do think it's because this season wasn't so great. He wants to be a little silent, but a little overcorrection. Now, on to the field. I'm going to try not to yell here. Again, it's the offseason. We're going to work on growth. We're going to work on relaxation. Um, Game management. At the end of the game, I would designate someone to be a late game manager. And this was something that I quite literally was screaming about at the end of last season. But, it, I mean, I'm sorry. It's it's not like there's just been a one-off incident where, oh, hey, the end of that game was a little squirrely. Oh, i got to tighten that up. But, no, there's – in the short amount of time he's been here as a head coach, there have been more than a handful of times where you're wondering – who is running the clock here? What is going on at the end of this first half or the end of the game here? I mean, two years ago, the end of the first half against Rutgers was whoo, a gong show. Uh, two years ago as well, the end of the game against Indiana, some bold decisions. Then last year had its gaffes with the Wisconsin game, the end of the Illinois game. I Look, I, I'm sure I'm missing a few, but I'm also trying to stay sane here. But yes, I mean, look, I, I know it's kind of waving the white flag, so to speak, or maybe it's a point of pride, but there have been coaches, both in the college ranks and in the NFL ranks, that have brought someone on to be a late game manager. So I would just hire someone. I would just hire someone that 
you know, it has the giant laminated sheet of all the scenarios with the time, the down, the score, and like, make sure their headset doesn't even work until there's three minutes left in the first half or the second half. Just someone that is a guru at when to use timeouts, what to do with the game situations, I, just because it has gotten out of hand here. And Michigan State's gotten lucky because all those games that I named too, like the Rutgers game, the Indiana game from two years ago, the Wisconsin game last year, the Illinois game last year, you got away with wins, but poo boy, you've also you also kind of sort of didn't in that Indiana game last year, and I know that was more than just clock, but regardless, uh, yeah, late game management could really use some help here. Uh, also, I, you know what? One more thing to add for on the field, I would stop letting players always have the option to check out of plays here, right? I mean, if I could just go back to two years ago, that Indiana game one more time, which how healthy does this sound? I'm bringing up a game Michigan State won two years ago, and I still have issues with it. Anyway, what happened was Michigan State could have gladly just run the clock out in Bloomington, but instead, Peyton Thorne, he checks out of a run play, throws the ball in the end zone. Oh my gosh, interception. Indiana had the chance to go down the field and win the game. All right, don't even give your players the option to check out of a play when they could just run out the clock. Or, hey, you know what, like last year, how about that fourth and one inside the 10-yard line in Ann Arbor where there seemed to be a quarterback sneak wide open just right down the A-gap? Okay, um, it came out a little later that Peyton Thorne checked out of that play to run another counter play. No, no, no. Don't even give your players the option to change any plays sometimes. Don't get me wrong. You, you got to... Give them some carte blanche here to change things up if they see a certain look from the defense, see some certain personnel. But, man, there are some things in life where it doesn't matter what the personnel is or what the defense is showing you. Just run the ball. Just do the quarterback sneak. So I would, I would take a lot of freedom out of players' hands in key situations. That's what else I would do. Question number two. Now we're going to talk glowingly about Mel Tucker. It's not a, a full-on hater's ball. We still like Mel Tucker here. Question number two, setback aside, has Tucker improved the program in ways that aren't always obvious? Is the training and conditioning better? Yes, it is. Uh, are the facilities better? Yes, they will be. Has there been an upgrade in the caliber of lesser-known staff and coaches? Yes, there has been. I think some of Tucker's pickups in the portal, the overall bigger football budget, etc., representative of an o sorry represent an overall program improvement, whether or not it has immediate effect on this year's team. So we're going to go through all that. Nutrition, no question about it. Um, to call it old school in the D'Antonio regime would be putting it lightly. Uh, look, he sought out Amber Reinstein, who has since left the program this offseason. But still, Mel Tucker has an eye for the kind of nutrition and conditioning staff that he wants in this program. He's talked about it, how he picked that up from the likes of Alabama and Georgia. You know, preparing for games and the environments of which the games are played in days in advance. I mean, you go back to that Miami game, they were hydrating and fueling their bodies for that way before they even got on the plane. Or like last year, you know, we, we all joke about the sleep clock for the Washington game. I mean, it didn't really have any effect on the game, but still, there was science around that. It wasn't just, all right, get on the plane, drink a Gatorade, and let's stretch 30 minutes before the game. Like, no, there's been drastic improvement in that regard as well. The facilities... That will be better as well, but that's more of like a, a donor thing, and the Michigan State was going to break ground for that, regardless of whether Mel Tucker was going to come in or not. But what I'd like to hone in on here is 
has there been upgrades in the caliber of lesser-known staff and coaches? Yes, there have been. Um, from what I know, just from little conversations here and there, the the emphasis on recruiting is like tenfold to what it was when D'Antonio was here. And it, it goes down to the lower-level staff members and the higher-level staff members as well. From the coordinators down to the assistants, recruit relentlessly every single day. And also, I mean, make no mistake, and... Who knows what this would have looked like under D'Antonio. Everything kind of really shifted dramatically when he left. But Mel Tucker, I mean, as we all know, great emphasis on the portal. And really kind of an early adopter of how to scout and recruit portal players as well. Now, most of college football has caught up to it right now. But still, like they, they do anoint portal-specific personnel in the football building to scout, to recruit, to take a look at guys. So, I mean, that has definitely been a drastic change. It's just the emphasis on recruiting, not just in the high school ranks, but in the portal ranks as well. And, well, I think it's been a big improvement making recruiting more national. I mean, look, the first weekend he had kids from California, Mississippi, Tennessee, Massachusetts, Illinois, and Maryland all on campus. Uh, last week was Florida, Texas, North Carolina. This weekend's going to be a lot more of the country representative. But, yeah, it's not just staying in the Midwest region. It's, it's going, you know, coast to coast. Quite literally. I mean, it's so, yeah, uh, recruiting has been a national change as well. And also just the kind of kids that are brought in as well from a physical build standpoint. Just having a frame that you want for your offensive lineman or your defensive lineman or your linebackers or your safeties. Like, there's a specific body type that they are looking for as well, which yeah, you could kind of find diamonds in the rough that way as well, especially for offensive line recruiting when it is hard to project how guys are going to carry their weight once they go into college, enter a legitimate weight training program. So, yeah, there have been definitely improvements with Mel Tucker here in this program. I know that we're not always thinking about it right now, especially in an offseason after a 5-7 and seven season with a lot of question marks going into this one. But, yes, the bones inside of the program have changed for the better under Mel Tucker, in my opinion. And the third question from Ray Ray, do you have a second favorite college team in the conference, I don't have issues with Wisconsin. I think they have a very fun fan base. I, I like their team. And also Nebraska as well. I catch myself rooting for them because, I don't know, like every Nebraska fan I've had interaction with, very pleasant people. Um, now, out of conference, I, I did like Clemson for a little bit until they got, like, overly corny. I mean, Dabo, no thanks. Uh, I, I did like Georgia. You know, I kind of like the whole story of them finally breaking through. But, my God, it's just boring to watch now. Um it, it was just almost inhumane watching them against TCU in the national title game, so I'm off that train now. And so, you know what? My, my, my favorite out-of-conference team, for all their efforts they did last New Year's Eve, I mean, go Horned Frogs, or whatever they do with their hands. I mean, just go Horned Frogs. Thank you, Max Duggan, for your efforts, what you did last New Year's Eve. Also, you know, Sonny Dykes, he just coaches a fun team. That's always a fun offense to watch with them. So, yeah, why, go horn them up. I don't, I don't know what they say, What, but go, go horn frogs, I guess. Yeah, TCU, so that'll be my other favorite college team for the foreseeable future. Gang, we will be back on Friday. We'll, we will be talking with national recruiting expert Brian Smith. That's right. And then, hey, maybe another fun interview as well. But, hey, you know where to keep it tuned. Locked on Spartans, your team of green and white. Hope you all have a fantastic week ahead. Go Green.